0: Hi, friends. Welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. On this podcast, we introduce you to the women of Christ Chapel Bible Church. We love being encouraged to live out our faith in Jesus by hearing the stories of women in our church community. We are so glad that you're here. From an early age, Katie Stadler's heart was drawn to the vulnerable. Step by step, God led her into opportunities to advocate for kids, the orphaned, the disadvantaged, and the displaced, both in the United States and Ukraine. While your story may not look exactly like Katie's, the call to fully depend on and follow God wherever He leads is a privilege you don't want to overlook. Be inspired by Katie and Camille's conversation. Hi, and welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. I am so excited to have Katie Stadler here today with me, and we're going to hear her story. Well, to be fair, we're going to hear the Lord's story about what he's been doing in
1: her life and in the lives of those around her. So, welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Good. Well, one thing we like to start our episodes with is to know
1: what is a small thing that's brought you joy recently? Um, Well, recently our family just got to go on a vacation, just the six of us, and um, see the Lord's beauty in a different part of the world and some beautiful beaches and colors. And um, just being together, just the six of us, with Mm -hmm. minimal distractions and having dinners and breakfasts and adventures together brought me so much joy that we don't get to see sometimes when we're in the day-to-day, so— It was a really um, spiritual renewal, I think, for all six of us before school started. I
0: love that. When I, Okay, so listeners, you don't get to know this so much, but we also get to know our guests um, a little bit before they come on. And when I met Katie last week, um, she told me about her vacation, and I wrote down the name of the place that she went to. And I looked it up, and I thought it was fake. Like, I legitimately thought it was a fake place, but it's
1: apparently not. So you have to tell us what it is because— so it was out. Eleuthera, Bahamas, and it's a very like um, less popular destination in the Caribbean and mm-hmm. in the Bahamas. And so we would go on these beaches, and it would just be the six of us, and the mm-hmm. colors in the water, just talking to our kids about like the Lord's imagination mm-hmm. and how we hadn't seen some of these colors and some of the scenery and how a world that— um, was created by him can look so different oh, wow. in different places. So it's a beautiful place. It was very peaceful and relaxing, mm. um, which is what our family definitely needed and the yeah. Lord
0: provided. That's incredible. I love that. That's a, I think that's maybe the best way to like walk into a new school year is to have a nice, peaceful, like, this is totally different than anything we've seen. And it sparks that wonder and that awe. It was. It was, um, It was definitely rejuvenating. Good. Awesome. Um, Well, as you know, I only met Katie like in the last couple weeks. Maybe you didn't know that. But um, if you get a chance to meet her, please do. Um, But one thing I can tell you that you will know right off the bat if you've met Katie is that she is passionate about caring for the vulnerable. Not just here, but all across the world. Do you think that's a pretty... Fair statement. I think that's a pretty fair
1: fair statement.
0: Yes. She did not describe herself that way, but that's what I picked up on right away. Um, so did you always have this, like, desire and drive um, for the lost or for the vulnerable or for the orphan?
1: Was that something that was always part of your heart? It was. Um, from a very young age, I always loved children, always— uh, Would volunteer even at a young age wherever I could Mm -hmm. um, with young children, and then the Lord continued to grow that passion. And I would say I've always felt that I have a strong voice, and the Lord has equipped me to speak for um, the outsider, the disadvantaged, the displaced. Um, And so my heart has always just been called to the people in the room that not everyone might see Mm -hmm. um, to— to see them and build a relationship with them um, and and advocate, I would say, for um, anyone that needs that. Yeah,
0: that's wonderful. Um, When you were an adult and you were like growing your family, um, I know that your heart kind of was moved in the direction of adoption. And was that where it started? Or um, how did that love
1: for adoption grow for you? Um, I always had a heart for adoption like I said even Mm -hmm. when I was um, little I used to tell my family all the time I'm gonna have 20 kids you know (laughs) and my siblings my parents would be like who's gonna take care of those 20 Uh kids but um, (laughs) I will say that as after we had our four children um, the Lord just still was pulling me into the brokenness for children that don't have a family Mm -hmm. and so um, we started to look into ways that we could volunteer, whether it was through um, some of the organizations that are in Fort Worth or local yeah. um, or internationally. And so we went on a, actually a beach vacation and I met a woman who is a professional photographer and just started talking to her in our beach chairs and then followed her on Instagram mainly to watch, see all of her pictures. Mm-hmm. And A couple years later, I start noticing that she is hosting an orphan child from Ukraine. I'm like, well, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? I had never heard about host organizations or um, anything like this. And so reached out to her, um, met with her. over the phone and got the information, and my husband and I, Matt, started really praying about it to see if this was a way that our family could serve that calling mm-hmm. that the Lord placed in my heart. Wow. And it wasn't necessarily directed towards um, adoption mm-hmm. as much as um, alleviating the pressures of a of the orphan crisis in Ukraine and in a few other countries when they're not in school. And so you can host them for a short period of time in the United States and advocate for medical needs um, and just bring them into your home and show them what a family is. Wow. That's beautiful. I I think probably... I mean, I don't want to speak for listeners,
0: but that's not something that I think most of us have thought about, considered, or maybe even heard about or know somebody who's done before. So the idea is not necessarily adoption-focused, but um, like you said, are students in the Ukraine typically throughout the school year, are they in a... uh, like an orphanage facility? Are they in school? Do they have host families in the country? Or is this just a one-time, like you get to go on summer vacation in the United States and hopefully a host family will be moved to like
1: care for you throughout the year? So most um, children across the world outside of the United States who are orphaned are in institutionalized care. And there are many decades delayed Uh, or behind what the United States is. So foster care systems, family-based care systems really are not there and in place. So most children are raised in large institutionalized settings Mm -hmm. that are run like boarding schools. So in the summer and over the holidays, the school part of that shuts down. Mm -hmm. But obviously the governments um, and those who are responsible for their care still have the a large amount of children, yeah, um, and so that's sort of how these host organizations came about in different countries, and it alleviates the the pressures of of feeding the children, caring for them when there's not the yeah. schooling, mm-hmm. um, and then I would say a lot of host families are called into this through a heart for adoption, but not necessarily all the children are adoptable. Right. So sometimes it is caring for them when they can come here mm-hmm. over Christmas in the summer, and then they do return, and they do that for several years. Wow. So they have a family here in the United States, mm-hmm. but they can't live with them. But it's just showing them the love of a family, Yes. Um, the dynamics of family care, mm-hmm. so that when they do age out, they've experienced Mm -hmm. and have some understanding of possibly how to do it differently when they have children. Yeah. That's wonderful. Did you, um, were you able to host? So we started, um, our journey and hosting, um, with a 15 year old boy from Ukraine named Nikita. And, uh, we ended up being able to host two other children throughout our journey, um, Nikita came to stay with us multiple times, and the Lord just kept calling our heart to give Him a forever family. Um, Unfortunately, our adoption story didn't end as we had prayed and hoped. um, And Nikita returned back to Ukraine and aged out of the institutionalized care, and so was really living on the streets for for many years. The other two children that we hosted ended up being adopted in the United States, and we still get to keep track of them and have a relationship with them and their families. Mm -hmm. Um, Through that experience, though, the Lord opened a network of faith-based organizations and and just people inside of Ukraine that loved Nikita Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: loved our family and would help Maintain that relationship when he was living such an unstable lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is what opened our hearts to Ukraine. Um, Mm -hmm. I traveled to Ukraine a few times to visit Nikita and met a lot of people who I would now call friends who are from Ukraine.
0: That's wonderful. I keep saying that's wonderful because (laughs) I um, just—it's amazing to see how over the years, I guess years for you guys, that— it was something that wasn't, it just wasn't there before. Like, I don't know that you ever thought about like, okay, well, let me choose this one country or let me choose this area of the world, but that through circumstances and people in your life, the Lord really pushed and continued to cultivate this heart for a whole region of of people and a whole group of people being, um, being children who are um, without parents or without family. Um, and that that's what I keep saying. It's wonderful because it is. like It's wonderful that the Lord cultivates that so
1: carefully. Well, people ask me all the time, like, are you Ukrainian? I'm like, no. And really, we <laughs> just picked Ukraine. There was three countries and we picked it because it kind of aligned with—we kind of got our schedule out and mm-hmm. our kids' schedule out and looked. And the dates really aligned. And then through the tragedy of our, our broken adoption and um, Nikita ended up um, passing away— Um, in 2020 and so there was just so many unanswered questions like why did the lord call us in to this country into the lives of these people um and to grow our passion and our heart for the orphaned for it to end so tragically it's like lord surely that wasn't your plan Mm -hmm. um and then come february 2022 when the war broke out in Ukraine. Um, It wasn't immediate, but I will say over the last 18 months, God's story um, has been revealed, I would say, specifically to my heart and my husband's heart and our families of why we stepped out in faith Mm -hmm. and what His story was all along that He wanted to write through us.
0: I'm so sorry about Nikita. Thank you. I cannot fathom what it is like to be so far removed physically from a part of your family and then to continually wonder. Um, and I know that was difficult. Um, I, I love so much that you're here sharing your story about this. Um, and I, I, Please feel free to not answer. But were you able to have some kind of closure? Were you able to locate Nikita um, and
1: be there um, for when he was discovered? Um, So this was in the midst of COVID. So unfortunately, there was a lot of international um, travel restrictions. So we worked with the embassy in the United States and the embassy in um, Ukraine to locate his body and actually had um, a representative from the U.S. Embassy went and claimed the body and we had it buried in hopes that when COVID restrictions were lifted, we would be able to go over there as a family Mm -hmm. and um, have closure and have a proper burial. Um, Unfortunately, Ukraine was one of the very last countries actually to open up after COVID, which was December 2021. Um, And so February 2022, the war broke out. Mm. So um, unfortunately, we never were able to travel over there as a family. But I do feel in every story that's been written through Be Human Kindness, um, the Lord is healing Mm -hmm. and providing a legacy and a testimony for Nikita's life. Mm and that has brought closure.
0: Yeah. Grieving, I think, is just such a weird and chaotic and tumultuous thing, for, especially to walk through as a family. Um, and so I don't imagine that the grieving process will ever be fully over for your family. But I do want to note how graciously and beautifully you have framed this story um, that Nikita's life has really inspired so much good and so much peace, and um, <clears throat> work toward um, healing, not just for your family, but for so many others um, that we're about to hear about. Um, you mentioned Be Human Kindness, and I want to take a minute because if, listener, you haven't met Katie, I need you to know that she has a nonprofit and that's coming in her story <laughs> in a minute. But um, that is the name of your nonprofit. Right? It is. Be human kindness. Okay, so we know you didn't have a nonprofit before this. How in the world did this come about?
1: Um, So when the war broke out in February, we immediately reached out to um, a network of faith-based organizations and people that had really walked this journey with us over the last um, five years mm-hmm. and just said, how can we help? This is something that Ukrainians have been worried would happen for many years. But I think if you ask them, they, they really didn't think it would ever happen. Right. So, um immediately just start messaging with them, asking what they need. And where Nikita was from happened to be really on the front line, so they needed things right away. They mm-hmm. um, So we started sending money over there from, from ourselves as well as um, our community in Fort Worth who had met these children and mm-hmm. knew our heart for Ukraine. We bought vans to help get— Children and families to the borders, we bought groceries, gasoline, um, we helped evacuate an orphanage to Romania, um, and all that happened in a short window in about three weeks. Um, that is a really short window. It was a very short window, yes. and, and the need was just so great mm-hmm. um, to get these families and these children away yes. from where the fighting was taking place, and it, it really happened in their lives overnight. So um, about three and a half weeks in a pastor that I was was my friend said, you know don't send anything else like we've you know the Russian troops are occupying our region everyone really just at this point needs to leave yeah. um, and so I rolled over looked at my husband and said, um, I just think I need to go over there and see what's happening you know you're watching the news we're talking about it in church and to see the magnitude of what was happening and to see how we could help, mm-hmm. you know, and and that was really my first trip. I went over there um, the end of March to Poland Wow! and spent um, 12 days uh, in Poland and down at the border going in and out of Ukraine. And at that point, I felt like the Lord was just calling me to go and serve mm-hmm. the need right then. Um, and had no idea it would evolve into what it's
0: become Mm -hmm. what what was the need then like when you arrived and this is this is you going into poland not with the intention necessarily of actually going into the ukraine um but like what was it we all know it was horrifying i cannot i don't imagine you're going to be able to paint a full picture of it. But what were some of the things that jumped out to you as like, I can help. I can do this. I see this need, and I can step into it while I'm here.
1: So um, when I flew over there, I flew to Warsaw, Poland. And my husband said— do not even think about going into Ukraine. You must stay in Warsaw, Poland. I'm like, okay, yes. So I connected with um, a Bible church there, an English-speaking Bible church. And at this point, there were 5 million people passing through Poland alone. And that— um, if you just think of the magnitude, so the bus schedules, the train schedules, there was no schedule. It was just a constant flow. So the main train station was 24 hours a day, seven days a week, people sleeping, arriving, leaving, trying to get different um, trains to different parts of Europe Mm -hmm. to meet family. Um, And so a lot of the work we did was there. We ended um, up—or I ended up um, taking seven families to the church that I was connected with, and we became our own little refugee center for those seven families Mm -hmm. and would sleep on the floor there at night with them. Um, Went down to the border, and the lines were 23 hours long. It was snowing. Uh, 93% of— The people that they say now, looking back, passed through, were women and children. So I think during this part of the story, the Lord was just revealing to me something that's so personal to me. I have four children. um, And to just look at the situation and think, this could be me. And through that made very, I would say, tangible ideas on how can I help these families? What would I need mm. to get to a place of safety and security? Yeah. Um, and so before I left to fly home, my goal was to have all these seven families in a stable, long-term living situation. So at that point, um, I knew I had to go home, so we relocated them to three different countries, um, and I still keep in touch with them mm. today. So,
0: Wow. And you were able to go home And was that when you came home, did you think, okay, I've met my goal, these seven families are settled, and now I'm going home and I may not come back? Or were you thinking, I'm going home, and there's still
1: work that the Lord has for me? Um, Well, my plane ride home was a long conversation with the Lord, I Mm -hmm. will say. Um, I felt like— There was this realistic thought of, I have four children. This is halfway across the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Lord, I can't help people that live so far away when I have my life here. And the Lord kept saying, yes, you can. And I'm going to show you how. And um, it just kept taking me back to a verse in Ephesians where He was like, I have equipped you. And I have prepared you, Mm -hmm. and I've prepared the way. And that's really where it came full circle to see, like, what was written in 2015 was written for this purpose. So came home, prayed, talked to my husband, Matt, and and I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, I have given you so—I've equipped you and provided so much for you to be able to do more. And so we— decided to file paperwork for a nonprofit. Um, we hired a lawyer who would help us do that internationally, and I ended up flying back six days later to Poland. Six days after you had arrived back home. Yes. Wow. That wow. That is such fast <laughs> obedience to the Holy Spirit, <laughs> Katie. Um, and really not knowing, like knowing that there needed to be You know, I had gone over there to look for an organization, but Mm -hmm. really the crisis was at such a magnitude that a lot of international NGOs, it takes so much longer for them to form, to get boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, Where we had the ability and a lot of other um, faith-based believers across the world were the ones over there Mm -hmm. actually serving at the very beginning. So um, I knew there was a need for safe housing, Mm-hmm. for vulnerable women and children mm-hmm. and empowerment to get them to the next place. Yeah. So um went back over there, and within 24 hours, somehow found um, a 170-bed hostel with um, a husband and wife who were believers that owned it. At this time, I mean, it's full. Everything in Poland is yes. full. People's yeah. homes are full. Churches are full. And somehow convinced them or said, like— I'm willing to pay for the rooms at some rate, and is there any way that we could use this facility to run our program to bring these women and these families into independent housing and then use a week or two to relocate them somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Um, I hired four Ukrainian women um, who the Lord—every you know, step of the way, it was like, I would say, I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like, but I know this is my need. I would pray about it have a conversation with the Lord, and then it's really unreal. But the next day, it was like, provided. Wow. Because a a hostel
0: that houses that many people, that's, I'm assuming, already full, full, like totally full, for them to look at you, who, I mean, Katie, you're beautiful and fantastic and (laughs) wonderful. But if I'm going to trust somebody that I've only met once, maybe, from a totally other country that— For me to look at you and say, "Yeah, sure, you can have this building and use it,"
1: that probably didn't come from them. Like it came, everything along the way came from the Lord. Um, There's there's so many stories of where everyone's heart was just being softened mm -hmm. through this crisis, and um, you know, something that I think that the enemy was trying to take hold of. The Lord was like, "Not today." And Mm -hmm. so I feel like everyone over there was just being led by the Spirit to mm-hmm. do what they could. Yeah,
0: yeah. I can't—I mean, to be able to be in that moment and see so much suffering and hurt pressing in, um, it would be really hard to look away and and not push back. Um, I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit was with you there and enabling you and people around you to really be mobilized to push comfort and peace and grace and mercy to, like you said, the most vulnerable, um, who are really just people like you and I, um, families that, you know, you could be living next door to. Um, I know you said your heart was specifically for women and families who were the most vulnerable. How do you find the most vulnerable? Outside of the Holy Spirit, obviously, like He's leading you there. But what does
1: that look like? What does it mean to find the most vulnerable who needed? Um, So through experience, um, we were a team of women, which um, faith-based women um, who proved our intentions through just like serving on the ground. And we Mm -hmm. became very trusted in what we did and people knowing that we were there for the right reasons mm-hmm. um and so we created an experienced network of frontline humanitarian aid workers um members of the american military the canadian military the ukrainian mm-hmm. military a network of churches um and just became their go-to we were known as the ladies in the pink jackets because we had gotten these pink jackets monogrammed um, so that we could get into all of these facilities and things. And then that kind of became what we were known as. And so through that, people began to connect us with the the most vulnerable, meaning it was in the best interest interest of that family not to go to one of the large refugee centers or some of the other accommodations that were available to them. Mm and so it became full every night and would just rotate. So as a family wow. would be enabled and equipped to move somewhere else for a longer stay, we would refill the room with another family wow. that needed our help.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, is this, like, is that specific building facility still what you're operating through? So we started to sort of taper down September, October, um, because there really weren't many other options for them to relocate to. So um, my heart was never necessarily called to become a refugee center or mm-hmm. long-term housing. It was to empower these yeah. these moms like me, like, this mm-hmm. is horrible, it's unimaginable, mm-hmm. but there's hope, and there's a future, yeah. and the Lord has a plan, and let's trust that, and let's get to a place where you're safe, independent until you can return home so as those options started to diminish we started to sort of close down our short-term housing program Um, at the same time opened a long-term housing program for two years um, which is crazy because we're already almost a year and a half in to our long-term house but it houses 15 of the most vulnerable families so these are um most of the families are traveling with like extended family, so grandmas, aunts. And so these are families that, for various reasons, cannot relocate to another country or are really outside of Warsaw. Yeah. And so they are there and they have jobs. The children are enrolled in school mm-hmm. and they have become family. Wow. That's beautiful. I mean, the circumstances are
0: horrible. And like you said, Unimaginable, unimaginable that you are not able to go home. But the fact that by the grace of God and by His power, families have been able to stay united and not only function, but to thrive in a place that's not their home. It, I mean, it just—it reminds me of the Israelites, the fact that they were not at home, but they were God's people and they were together, and it it enabled— them to see God as provider Um, and your work and the work that the Lord is doing through your organization, I think is a really beautiful picture of that, that in the midst of such suffering and hardship, um, that He's enabling a chance and a moment where these families can really
1: just be unified and held by His provision. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and a crazy story. This is, I mean, yeah. Um, so the house that we ended up running long term is five stories. Mm-hmm. And so we rented the bottom three stories. And I had had a Polish realtor help me look for the house, not knowing. So we go to look at the house, and there's um, an English speaking Presbyterian pastor and his wife who have five children who are adult children some live in the united states who live upstairs it's their oh home my goodness so they have you know they've become family too and get to um minister and 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 be there for them when i'm over here and yeah. have them for bible studies and celebrate holidays with them so the lord i mean that's just the lord's provision i mean yeah. there's absolutely no way you could have planned that. that. A Presbyterian pastor owns a home Yeah, that he's willing to rent out to an American to house 15 Ukrainian families. Wow. But the Lord he does that.
0: that. Yeah. He absolutely orchestrated that. What a provision. Um, I love that so much. Um, one thing that sticks out to me about the story that the Lord is writing in it through you is how organically this came about in in your life and in your heart, like— like you said, the story that he began writing, like it's not finished, but he equipped you in the way that he gave you this story. He brought you through so many things as a family to lead you to this place where he really uses you continually. Um, but really for you, what comes through is that is this is a place of total dependence on the Lord. Um, and you were able to walk in obedience to some really huge things that the Lord called you to do. And now you're seeing the fruit of it. Um, And also um, I know you've mentioned this to me before, but just your desire to take those opportunities and make them opportunities to proclaim the kingdom of God and to share the gospel and hope with people who may not have ever, Grasped that hope fully. Um, Can you talk to me about what that looks like? Opportunities where you've been able to really share, like, an abiding hope. So, um,
1: you know, it's it's our ministry, um, it's never been about handing out, you know, gospel tracts, it's never been about making bracelets or Mm -hmm. some of, I think, the evangelical. So evangelical representation in our heads living in the United States from VBS and things, it's mm-hmm. been about being the church. Yeah. So serving for no other reason than that the Lord calls us to love one another mm-hmm. like he loved us. And so um, through our love of the Lord's people, it never fails that they will ask, like, why are you over here from halfway across the world? Yeah. Why do you care about us? Why mm-hmm how how do you see what makes us important to you and it's through walking alongside of them in their journey that um, of hopelessness that we get to share that there is hope beyond this world and my reason is my love of Christ the Lord has equipped me and called me to come and to share that with you so that you can find peace yeah in a in a world that's not peaceful for you right now. Um, yeah. And through that, get to witness to them, share the gospel, and hopefully change their life mm-hmm. beyond just their temporal, ex, you know, existence to something that's eternal.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, this is just so much. Like, it's so much to think about. And I, it's so relatable that on this flight home you're thinking— I have four
1: kids and I have a wife. Not today, L- Lord. Texas. I'm not doing that yeah. today. Not this year, not this yeah, yeah. year. Right. Maybe when all the kids are out of the house yeah. or like. Maybe retire. I'll go back on another or mission trip.
0: <laughs> right. And that's uh, full confession. That's 100% where I would land hard is that, well, there's no way. There's just no way. Um, but the Lord, of course, He does, and He does it through His people. Um, so. My question, that was a long-winded way for me to say, how? Like, how do you endure? Like, you're still walking this road. You're still going. You're still pursuing. Um, and I, obviously, you're here in Fort Worth today. Like, you don't live two separate lives. Um, how
1: do you endure? I think um, the Lord, yeah. just truly surrendering to the Lord and His will. Mm-hmm. Um, My prayer life has just magnified, you know, not— it's hard to put into words not to say that Jesus was small, you know. To me, 18 months ago, I've walked with the Lord um, from a young age and was saved through high school, I'm sure like many people that go to Christ Chapel. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't ever question my, my salvation But I will say that through the last 18 months, the Lord has matured me and refined me to where it is true dependence on Him. Um, There's nothing that I can do to fulfill some of the needs of Be Human Kindness, the needs of these families and these people, without Him moving mountains and providing. And so it's been laying it at the feet of the Lord when— I'm at a loss, and sometimes saying I'm going to quit, and the Lord s- answers that prayer in such a miraculous, expedient way mm. that it's like here, you know. I'm like, okay, Lord, you're talking to me again. You you moved this mountain, yeah. So I guess I'm going to keep walking in faith. Mm-hmm. Be you know, because obviously that's why you moved it, right? Um, so I've. Learn that the Lord does not negotiate His will. You mm-hmm. can try. <laughs> that's a really that's a really wise thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, through prayer, there's just been a lot of. I mean, it's just this relationship with Christ. M- my relationship with Christ has just grown um, beyond what I think would be a, an earthly understanding, or to just a spiritual conversation mm-hmm. daily. Yeah, um where he is equipping and moving me mm-hmm. for his glory.
0: Yeah. Something that we talked about previously and I it stuck with me and I've been thinking about it a lot is the fact that like immediately when war broke out, people were there. Like people came, people came to help. Um and now that we're however many months we are into this, 18 months, two years coming up on and I just, um, I think about the people who are there to help um, and they're not still there. Like there are not a lot of the same people who are there to help. Um, and that's not surprising. I want to make sure I'm very careful in the way I say this because there are limits to how much we can do. And we are, as you said, we are never able to do this on our own. But talk to me about what the difference is between when, it, when somebody stays and somebody is
1: there, and what marks that person as different? So you're right. At the beginning, there was a lot of people from around the world that their purpose was they varied. Um, they wanted to do good or their families had experienced persecution, so they wanted to come help other families. Um, but as the wars pr- prolonged and fatigue and, you know, having the the means yes, to continue to help diminish, mm-hmm. um, I would say 100% of the majority of people that are still in Poland and Ukraine and serving are— Christians mm-hmm. are faith-based um, because our purpose is bigger. It's not just to do good. Right. It's to share God's goodness mm-hmm. with others. And yeah. so it's been encouraging. And I think a, a, a testimony to the church, to the Lord's people, to still be there serving. Yeah. Um, and I think it's changing the hearts of Polish people of Europeans of mm-hmm. Ukrainians to see that we are a church that is who we say we are mm-hmm. for the power and the glory of the Holy Spirit and the lord mm-hmm. um, so it's it's been pretty amazing and beautiful to see, yeah, yeah, the community over there,
0: the thing that it brings to mind is the in in scripture when it talks about taking the ashes and turning it into something beautiful i'll exchange your your ashes for beauty um and that um that can be a really comforting thing to think about um especially in our ability to look back over the last for you 18 months i keep saying 18 months because it just is so unbelievable that this is 18 months that all of this has happened um but I'm praising God that he's able to still do this work through you um, and through the people who are there, um, the believers who are there in Poland um, to provide God's goodness, like you said. And I think about that in contrast to the resources that it takes to do this, like resources can run out. God's goodness does not That's right. ever run out. Um, and so as I think about praying for your organization and for you specifically, that's one of the things that I think I, I'm going to focus on, is really just praying that people would see that it's the Lord's goodness that doesn't. Um, it's never exhausted. Um, that's beautiful. Alongside of the Holy Spirit um, and the Lord
1: providing, what has been the biggest helper to your work? Um, I would say our church, Christ Chapel. So um, in June, uh, so a few months in, if you're following the timeline, I sent our church leaders an email saying, I think I've bit off more than I can chew, right, <laughs> um, from actually the magnitude of what care we were providing, but mm-hmm. also from a ministry standpoint, wanting to make sure we we're being good stewards of yeah. our ministry and our access to all of these people who I want to share the gospel with. So Mm -hmm. they responded the same day. We ended up having a meeting that week. Mm -hmm. And Christ Chapel, our um, senior pastors, our elders, our church body, they mobilized quickly. Mm -hmm. And it was so encouraging to me in a time where I was really depleted Yeah, and— feeling sort of broken through all the brokenness I had experienced to have a church that we've been members of for many years be who they say they are, a church without walls, to say, what do you need today? What do you need next month? What do you need in the coming months? And Mm -hmm. since then, um, you know, I'm— just forever thankful for our leadership. They put together three mission trips and have Mm -hmm. gone over to Poland and served the most vulnerable alongside of me. And Mm -hmm. those are my favorite trips when I go over there because I get to serve alongside other believers. And the Holy Spirit is just present. Um, We go to a large refugee center and just the breath of life that is Mm. in the space that we're in during our time serving together yeah. renews my spirit. And I know it renews the spirit of those families that are staying there.
0: Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, what it I mean, the fact that the Lord is able to use us here. And I, listener, I need you to know that like Katie is wonderful. And she's somebody that you either know or you could meet on Sunday. Like, she's down the street she's somebody just who did school drop off this morning and um you know she shops for groceries like she's not like a famous person although I think you should be but um so I need you to understand that this is like this is our church like yes it's the greater big c church like it's a body of believers but like what a gift that we get to be part of this specific body that um the Lord allows us to be humble and to be used by Him um, and that He continues to give us opportunity to step into dark places and be light and hope Um, and um, to be able to see the fruit of that, which I'm grateful He's still cultivating. Um, When you think about the heart that you have now and the story that you have now that the Lord has given you, did you ever think that this was
1: on the horizon for you? No. <laughs> like I said, um, I've tried to negotiate with mm-hmm. Christ. Um, <laughs> no, it it has pushed our family. Um, you know, my parents, my husband's parents our extended everyone to, um, to places that I don't think any of us thought we would be called. Um, it is, it's is—it's weary yeah. to serve the Lord um, in this way where it's, you know, something that has become so close to my heart and our family's heart. Uh, so, no, I, I really could not have told you what the Lord would have done through Be Human Kindness, Mm -hmm. um, the impact it would have had on the families, and most importantly, how it's changed my walk with Christ, Mm -hmm. my children's walk with Christ, uh, my husband's walk with Christ. We have grown closer. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We've been refined. We've cut away a lot of fat. Mm -hmm. um, We've redirected resources and interest Mm -hmm. to serve the Lord, where He's called us to serve. and I look back, and we're still in the thick of it. You know, we now are bringing a lot of families over to Fort Worth. And so it's not even now we have a ministry here mm-hmm. on the ground in Fort Worth. So it's twenty four hours a day. Um, but I do look and see the light that this has brought to my own home, yeah. Um, and I think that's what I would encourage so many women that are listening today who might be feeling called to do something, maybe not across an ocean, sure, mm-hmm. but to reach out to somebody on their street or, and invite them to church or to start a ministry at their child's school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what I would hope to encourage those to do is to just take the first step, and mm-hmm. the Lord will do the rest. And, and I truly believe that and I trust that. Mm-hmm. And I am so thankful that the Lord asked our family to do something hard. Mm. That's a lot to say because
0: it's not easy to walk a road that is difficult um, and is marked by some pretty big loss. Um, and to be willing to continue to let the Lord use that. Um, I think is a a hallmark of uh, compassion that comes only from receiving the compassion of the Lord. Um, So I'm grateful. I'm so, so grateful. Um, And please know, listener, that I am in this room and I don't have a ministry across the globe. Um, And so when Katie says, like, you don't have to go across the ocean, you can certainly please do go across the globe if you can. Um, and if the Lord provides a way to do that, please do. But also don't, um, let, um, the lack of traveling or whatever you might think the Lord is calling you to do in ministry. Um, it's easy to look and say like, oh, Katie's story is so big. Mine, mine is so tiny. The Lord is going to do, um, big things when we, when we answer yes and follow him because he's a big God and he desires a big kingdom. So Um, In a minute, I'm going to ask you if there's anything, um, any final thoughts you have to share of encouragement for our women. But before I ask that, I'm going to ask, we're going to have your contact information available, but how can we connect to your organization specifically? What are
1: some great ways that we can learn more about Be Human Kindness? So we have a website and um, an Instagram that we share a lot of our stories through of what we're doing with our resources, how we're sharing um, the Lord with those that we're serving. So I think that you would really enjoy following us. Um We have future mission trips planned to go work in some of the orphanages that we work in and with some of the refugees in Poland that we would love to have some new faces come along with us if that's something that you're called. And then we have... um, our largest ministry right now is actually relocating families to Fort Worth and to the United States through Uniting for Ukraine. So we have several Christ Chapel families and small groups that have stepped up and become sponsors for these families and get to sort of experience what I've just talked about alongside a family here right in their hometown. So um, would love to Encourage and empower some of those that are listening that it's a small yes that is so rewarding Mm -hmm. and a wonderful way for you to serve with your family Mm -hmm. and your small groups. So um, please look us up and reach out to us. And there's even some little ways of volunteering and serving with your time that um, we could use. So That's wonderful. All right. Any final thoughts before we close in prayer? Um I just thank you guys so much um for the opportunity to share this story to share what the Lord has been doing in our family's life but also in our church. Mm-hmm. so many have come alongside and um been able to be have been called to this ministry as well yeah. and um, I'm just appreciative of that mm-hmm. so this is thank you
0: wasn't intended to become a an episode about being grateful for our church, but that's yeah. kind of, um, I always am grateful for our church and especially for um, for, the, for our women that come on and share their stories. Katie, I'm so honored that you came to share your story today. Thank you. Um, and I will thank the Lord for that right now. Thank you. Um, God, you are beautiful. Um, you are beyond our understanding um, in the way that you draw us to you. Um, individually Lord also we want to praise you for the work that you do through us um, and in the lives of the people that bear your image you've called us to love them because you love them and you make beautiful things come from things that are unimaginably hard we praise you for your redeeming work for your saving work and for providing for us and the work that you have prepared us for. We ask that you would continue to bolster us to work through Katie, um, and that you would give us the power and the desire and the passion to say yes to the things that you're calling us to step into. And we ask these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more episodes, be sure to follow Encouraged and Equipped.